0: So just let's go back to that thought for a moment. My first love. And I think about the altar and eight verses into Abraham's encounter with Elohim. He makes an altar. And when he makes the altar, it said he called on the name of the Lord there. The word call is not necessarily like the word that we might do to just to get someone's attention, although it, it means that, but there is more of a picture and an image in that word in the original language, and that word call means to either invoke. It means to invoke with adoration or it means to invoke with worship. So it's not saying, Hey, Richard. No, it's Richard, I require you in my life. It's not just calling someone, but it's, but it's, there's, there's this, there's this communication, but is a communication from the heart of worship. And then said he called on the name of the Lord, Vic. You know what? In the next chapter, it said he had to go back to that place. If you, if you look at it, we talked about Jacob last week and about changing your identity and the altar is a place where you receive your true identity from him. And, and we learned how he, he made that, that he put his head on that stone and, and he saw the angels coming, going up and the angels going down. And he realized that this was a gateway to heaven. That There's an access that, that you and I, Mr. Ellis, you and I have a relationship with God. And that relationship is, is not just something natural, but it is a gateway to the eternity of the eternities. Yes. It is an open heaven. You and I, knowing that Jesus came for us, that he was the one that was on the altar for us. It created an open heaven for you and I, for us to live out of this, this, this extraordinary relationship with God. And so Jacob, at that place where he called it Bethel, meaning the house of God, if you go back to, we, and we talked about it last week, you go to Genesis thirty-two and Genesis thirty-five. He said, "Go back to Bethel and go to that altar." What was that? That was a representation of their first love. And, and here they had this, they called upon the name of the Lord. They, meaning they they weren't just calling on just a person. It wasn't just calling me calling Kermit, but it was everything Kermit is. It was his character, his integrity, his person, all that, all that makes him who he is. I call on the name of the Lord. See, the altar is a place where we call on the name of the Lord. And when we come back to our first love, we're calling on the one that saved us. We're calling on the one that changed us. We're calling on the one who does wonderful things. You see, when we call upon him, Vic, he reveals and he responds. And that's what I want to, I want to talk about today that, that God at the altar, he will reveal himself to you and he will respond to you. He always responds to a seeking heart. He always responds to a seeking heart. That's what the first love is about. It's about having the is about seeking the most important thing, seeking the thing that changed you. Calling on the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 10, I believe it's verse 12 and verse 13. What does it say? Call all those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Same. Can you say it a little louder? Same. You see, see, so me calling and and me seeking what causes him to respond. Let's look at Jeremiah 33. The altar is a place where he reveals himself and he responds. We have to know that the altar is a place where we seek him. Jeremiah 33. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. So this wasn't the first time. It was the second time while he was shut up in the court of the prison saying, thus says the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that you knowest not. I love the amplifier. It says, call to me and I will answer you. Show you great and mighty things fenced in and hidden, which you do not know. You do not distinguish and recognize, have knowledge of or understand. So if I call upon him, what he answers me and shows me great and mighty things. So when I come to the altar, I'm calling upon him. When I come under the altar, what am I doing? I'm seeking him. I'm worshiping him. What is this? He responds. He reveals and he responds. What did he do in this case? He goes, I am the Lord. What did he do? He revealed himself. And what did he do? He will respond. He will answer. Let's look at uh, Psalms 27. Psalms 27. And that this was a visitation that Jeremiah was having while he was shut up in prison. It wasn't when everything was going great. No, it was when everything was going bad. It's when he was imprisoned. And said, What? If I call, he answers and he reveals. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Now think about it. A host is surrounding about me. Thousands of enemies are surrounding me. But in this, will I be confident in this? In this. I've got, I've got thousands upon 10,000 surrounding me, but in this, I'm going to be confident. Joseph, what is it? One thing, one thing, one thing. Have I desired? And that will I seek after. So, this one thing that I will seek after, and what is the one thing? That I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. What's in his temple? The altar. Meaning, meaning for David, what was most important to him, the one thing that was necessary, the one thing needful for him was being in God's presence. The one thing that was needful. And he's like, Sam, that one thing is what I'm going to seek after. And that one thing is to not to visit the house of the Lord But my one thing is to dwell in the house of the Lord. There's a difference from visitation to habitation. That's right. Sometimes we just like to have visits with God, and God desires to inhabit. Yes. You see, the first love. This was his most important thing. Let's go to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Read this in the Amplified, verse 1. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and is faint for you. In a dry and weary land where no water is. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So what do you see? I seek you. My inner self thirsts for you. And my flesh is longs and is faint for you in a dry and weary land where no water is. So understand this. He's talking. This isn't something that's spiritual, but it's something natural. And it's something with his soul, his mind, his will and emotions. This is this is something that is really whatever he's going through. It's affecting his whole being. Yes. But what was the answer? He goes, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary Meaning because this is the way I feel naturally. This is the way I feel in my soul. This is the way I feel in my mind. So what am I? I'm going to go to the sanctuary. And what was in the Old Testament sanctuary? The altar. Because it's at the altar where I will see your power And your glory, meaning when I David said, when I go into the altar, when I go to the sanctuary, you are going to reveal yourself. You're going to I'm going to see what your power and your glory there. See, the altar is a place where God reveals and he responds. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter. Let's go to Matt chapter 7 first. God responds to a heart that seeks. So when Jesus was talking to the church in Revelations, and he's saying you lost your first love, meaning you've lost, really it comes down to you've lost your pursuit. If I ever stop pursuing a net then i'm losing my first love if i stop pursuing the word of god or i stop you're what you love what you adore is what you're going to pursue i i i, I can tell by what food you like by looking at your bank receipts about where you like to go eat I mean, you're you're going to you're going to see what you like, what you like to watch, what you like to listen to based on looking at some things. Why? Because because your decisions are an outflow of what you're adoring. And God responds to hearts that are seeking him. And I told you Matthew seven, right? Let's look at verse seven. What does it say? Ask and it shall be given to you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open unto you for everyone that asked receives and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh, it shall be open to him. So here, Jesus is giving us some absolute statements here. This is, this is absolute. If, if I ask I receive, if I seek, I find, if I knock, the door is open. See, this is just, this is just matter of fact statements. So what you're asking for, what you're seeking and what you're knocking on you, something is going, you're going to find something, you a door is going to be open and you're going to receive things based on what you're seeking and what per you're pursuing. The question is, are we seeking the right things? Are we pursuing the right things? The altar is about my place of pursuit. My altar is, is really, really comes down to what I'm pursuing. Am I pursuing God or am I pursuing things? Am I pursuing God? Am, am I, am I pursuing, um, am I pursuing his work in my life or am I just trying to take care of things myself? The altar is about what I'm pursuing. Let's, let's go back a chapter to chapter six. Let's look at verse five. Now, Jesus deals with three different, I believe, um, connections with heaven and his personal walk with, with his father. He deals with his giving relationship. He deals with his prayer relationship and he deals with his fasting relationship. And in this section here, starting verse five, he's dealing with the prayer part. And he says this in the King James "It says, and when you pray... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love, pray, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. Their, their, their reward was to be seen by men instead of seeking God. They were trying to seek man's approval. So when they were coming to the house of God that that is equated with the altar of God, they were coming standing to be seen by God instead of bowing to be seen by God. It's about by men to just be bowing. Did I say that backwards? <laughs> they were standing to be seen by men instead of bowing to be seen by God. And here, this, he's talking about prayer and prayer isn't, isn't a, a place where I just make requests. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is a two-way communi- uh, communication. Prayer is, 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 is God hearing you and you hearing God. The altar is a place of worship. The altar is a place of intercession. The altar is a place of uh, uh, of going into His presence. So, so Jesus is really dealing with where do you really seek God? And so, what does He say here, verse six? But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray. To the father, which is in secret and the father that sees in secret Mm -hmm. shall reward you in the open. See, it's what I do at the altar between him and me that causes me to see manifestations in my life. See, it's what I do in my personal at the altar that all of a sudden now he reveals himself, but also he responds. So what is Jesus saying? When you go into the closet. You're going to see manifestations in your life. It's not about what man's seeing between you and God, but it's what you're seeing between you and God. And now all of a sudden, now I'm seeing manifestation because of what's happening at the altar. The altar is the beginning place of manifestation. Ask any great men or woman of God. It was their time at the altar that caused them to step into the anointing that was upon their life. Amen. The closet. Now, we think of a closet. Yes, it can be a secret chamber. It can be a, you know, a, a, it's, a, it's a sacred place. But can, can I have, Vic, come here. I want you to see what this. Thank you, Father. Now, this is this is the the the, the root of the word for um, closet. Okay. Now, what does it say here? A that. A dispenser or distributor, a kind, a dispensary or magazine. Now, a dispensary. Thank you, Vic. I just want you, I'm not. I'm just not making stuff up here. Okay. So here, the the root word to this word closet. Yes, it's it's a it's a sacred chamber. It, it is all these things, but, but the first definition is it's a dispensary. Well, what is, what is a dispensary? I'm glad you asked. It's where medicines are prepared and where they're provided. That's what a dispensary is. It's a place where medicine is prepared and it's provided. So when he's saying go into your closet, he's saying go to where the answer is. Go to where the, it's, there are things prepared for you. Go to where the wisdom is. Go to where the strength is. Go to, go to that secret place because it's in that secret place you will receive and know everything that's been prepared and everything that's yes, been provided. That's right. yes. So it's not just me going to this place and doing this religious time of prayer, but no, I'm going there because there's things prepared there. There's things provided there. There's answers there. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. see when you seek God and you and you have him as your first love, you're always aligning yourself with the answer. That's right. The one that's dispensing good, the one that dispenses wisdom. The one that dispenses healing, the one that dispenses strength, the one that has provided grace, the one that makes mercy available. So when I go to the altar, I'm coming to the one that is dispensing everything that's good. Hallelujah. Uh, A couple people are getting it here. I mean, that's that's what the closet is about. It's it's not being shut off from the world. Yes, it's getting away from the business of the world, but it's going to the answer. So when I seek God, that's what David was saying that, hey, in a dry and weary land where no water is. Hey, I'm going into the sanctuary because that's where I see your power and your glory. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, go into your closet because that's where you're going to see the power and the glory. That's where you're going to hear things. That's where you're going to receive things. That's where you're going to all of a sudden get pictures of what God's called you to do and laying hands on people and speaking things and going to nations and reaching people and touching people. That's where it's going to be. But it's it, and, and so often we really want that. But are we going to the altar? I'm telling you, he's always a, a one that honors those that seek him. Yes. Go to Philippians, for sake of time. I'm going to maybe just... Philippians chapter 3. Now you, I'm not shifting gears here because I, I want you to see that God always... Responds to people that have hearts that are seeking after him now we know the apostle Paul wrote two thirds of the new testament but I want to ask a question why the apostle Paul why him you know people say oh well, well God well God changed his name no God didn't change his name God never said you shall now be called Paul. I don't think he liked the word Paul because the, the word Paul means short. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's name is Paul and he's five, four. So, you know, <laughs> Paul, James Bridges. That's my dad's name. But why? Why? I mean, just just this. This is my this is my study. This is my interpretation of why was he called Paul. And not Saul. I believe Paul was his Roman given name because he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, counting the law. He was blameless. So I believe it's the name that he took on, and why? Because he was called to minister to the Gentiles. So I believe that's why he he went by his Roman given name because he was called to the Gentiles. But Saul, and and, and we labeled he used the name Saul because that was his Hebrew name, and that was a name of royalty. And, and so, so here, why did, why did God use Saul? He was a murderer. Why would he use him? Why? Because he was a seeker. Why? He said, he said zealously, he was, he goes zealously. I, you know, I, I perverted the church. He, he wasn't doing it. He wasn't killing people because he wanted to kill people. He was killing people because he thought he was doing God a favor. He was more intent about seeking God than anything else. So, so that's why on the road to Damascus, a light shone about him. Why? Because God is always going to be pursuing people that are pursuing him. And I ultimately believe, and you can send me letters later and correct me later, but I truly believe why the apostle Paul. Because he was a seeker of God and wanted to be used by God. He was just uneducated. He was just ignorant about the gospel. He was just ignorant, but he was so, he was so intent of being used by God. Yes. Yes. Amen. Why was, why was the apostle? He was a seeker. He wanted God more than anything else. He wanted to please God more than anything else. And the glory of God showed up on that road road and knocked him off his donkey and saying, Hey, why are you kicking against the pricks? What does he mean? He's saying, he goes, you're coming against the very thing you're wanting to be a part of. When he he goes, he goes, what, who are you, Lord? (laughs) Why? Why did he have that heart? Because he had a pure, innocent heart to seek God. He wasn't saying, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, he was so he he wanted God more than anything else. That's why when he experienced the glory of God, he was like, who are you, Lord? And he goes, I'm the Christ. I'm Jesus. That's why he was. I believe that's why he was used because he was a seeker. That's why he was. A Pharisee of the Pharisees counting the law, he was blameless, meaning he did everything right. Why? Because he wanted to please God. Even in Timothy, I believe it says it says that he persecuted the church and he did it because he was ignorant. Mm -hmm. Not because he had malice and murder in his heart. Because he was seeking God. He was seeking God. There's there's I hear reports all the time and a good friend of mine and he's uh, he's ordained under our ministry and his name's Cameron and he's Iranian and and he got born again. He speaks Farsi and and he has a under he has a, a television broadcast that goes into Iran and and he has established underground churches in Iran and and he'll tell you that that you know that why because Muslims really truly have a heart to seek God. And in the midst of that, that he knows people that will have visions and dreams of Jesus Christ and they'll, they'll fall out of bed. And all of a sudden they'll, they'll come to know Jesus based on a visitation that they have in a dream. Why? Because they're truly seeking truth. And let's, let's look at Philippians. Verse 6. In the Amplified it says, As to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. You know, what is it when Jesus went in and he knocked over the tables in the, in the synagogue? And we talked about this a number of weeks ago when we talked about altars. And the disciples remembered in the Psalms it says the zeal Of my father's house has eaten me up. Zeal. Fervency. Earnestness. Desire. And so what does he say? As to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. Because I had such a heart for God, I became a persecutor of the church. You can go to Acts chapter 9 and you can look at the beginning part of that and you'll see a little bit more about his heart for God. But let's look at verse... 10. And I'll start to close with this. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. And the Amplified. Now remember in this scripture here. It's familiar to us. That he said all the things. All my accolades. All my successes. He says I count as zero. Nothing. Nothing. But what does he pursue? In the Amplified says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. Meaning my success doesn't matter to me anymore. My pedigree doesn't matter, matter anymore. My Roman citizenship doesn't mean anything to me anymore. But the only thing that matters to me at all is my determined purpose is to know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intim- intimately acquainted with him. And I love the employee. It says, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Wow. Vic, my determined purpose, is he saying, is to recognize, know the wonders of his person. Amen. Amen richard to know the wonders of his pers- person marcus to know the wonders of his person lena to know the wonders of his person yes 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 what is your determined purpose yes. is your purpose success financially is it is it a business is it a relationship is it having a marriage what 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 thing is your determined purpose Because I'm telling you, none of those other things matter if this isn't our determined purpose. Because it's in this determined purpose, everything else will find its success. It's to know him and the power of of the resurrection and the sufferings that he went through. Let's look down at verse 12. He says this. The King James verse 12, it says, not as though I have already attained either. We're already perfect, but I follow after he's saying, I'm not saying I've attained it. And I'm not saying I've laid hold of everything. He is my determined purpose is to know him. And I'm not telling you that I've come to a place where I've arrived and known everything yet. I don't already, I haven't attained everything yet. And I'm not already made perfect, but I follow after you see that's a life at the altar. The life of the altar isn't saying, yeah, I already have heard that. I already know that. I've already experienced that. I've already done that. I've bought the t-shirt. I've done it. No, no, he's saying, no, I follow after. What I follow after. Why? Because there's something more than what I've already known. If I get to this far, then I get there. There's something more beyond that. I, I get that far, then there's something more beyond that. My determined purpose is to know him. And I'm not saying, Joseph, I'm perfect and I have it all together. And I'm not saying that I've totally grasped everything that he is, but what I follow after. I follow after I'm pursuing something. I'm seeking something. I'm running after something. follow after now. This is, I love this. I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. I know that's a mouthful of words, but what does that mean? He's saying, I'm going to apprehend the very one that apprehended me. The one that showed up on the road of Damascus and knocked me off my donkey. And I saw his glory and he blinded me for three days. That one, I saw that glory. I'm not stopping until I apprehend everything he is and all that he is. I want to see that glory. I'm going to apprehend it, apprehend, hold to that which apprehended me. he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind and reach forth to those things that are before. You know what? You cannot apprehend all that he has for you if you're still holding on to your past. That's what he said. Brethren, I, I count not myself to apprehended. But this one thing I do. I've got to forget that yes, yes. I've got to, I've got to forget what's behind. Yes. And I have to look, I have to reach forth to those things, reach, reach, look at these words at grasping, attained, apprehend, reaching. See, see, I've got to let go of that and reach forth to this so I can fully embrace and, and know him. Yes. And then what does 14 say? I press Towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. I press towards the mark. I press towards the mark. I press, I press, I press towards the mark. That lets me know that, that this isn't going to be automatic in a believer's life. A press is something that I have to do. Apostle Paul saying, hey, there's more out there and I want to know him. There's more about my heavenly father that he wants to reveal and he wants to respond, but I've got to follow after it. I've got to let go of those things and I've got to reach for this and I'm going to press towards the mark of the calling of the, the high calling, the high call, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And there's some things I could unpack with high calling and what that what that means. But but one aspect is high calling is is. My place at his throne. My high calling is my place seated with him in heavenly places. The high calling. Worship was the highest calling that you'll ever, ever step into. The highest calling of Christ Jesus. Is being like Jesus. Was Paul saying, I. I'm, I'm going to apprehend him, leave it behind, reach forth so I can be just like Jesus. Oh, you received this word this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we press towards the mark this morning. We press towards all that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that we we make we make everywhere we go a place of an altar. Mm. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you for the victory that we have in you. We thank you for everything that you've made available for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. I don't know about you, but I want to I want to press towards the mark. How about you? Yes. If you, if you want to press towards the mark in your life, just lift your hands. Oh. How many people you can you, you can you know that, that Jesus has apprehended your life? You you just I know you, your hand's already up. Just give me an amen. Amen. Give me an amen. You know, I, and you know what? I want to further apprehend that which apprehended me. How about you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we're here this morning as yielded hearts. And I thank you for this teaching that you're giving us about the altar. That I thank you that this room, if not already, is filled, is a room filled with people that are pursuers and seekers after you. And I declare as they seek and pursue after you. I thank you that you will reveal yourself and you will respond. And I thank you for just coming back to their first love. Where God showed up and where God moved and manifested in their life throughout the years. That they go back to those moments, those times, those places. And they would remember what apprehended them. And I thank you that they would let go of where they're at. And they would continue to reach forth to the things that you have in front of them. I thank you for depositing victory on the inside of every heart this morning. I thank you that they are a victory going somewhere to happen. I thank you that they are not going backwards. But I thank you they're reaching forwards. And as they're reaching forward, I thank you that they will encounter and we will encounter the glory of God like we never have before. We will see abundant overflow. We will see the goodness of God outpoured like never before. We will see first things that we've never seen before. And we will see restoration, recovery and recompense as we press towards the mark. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Amen.